We're going through the book, uh, going through the Bible, and today is the book of Acts, and we're about to get there. I want to give you a heads up on the, the sermon schedule again. Uh, if you're not, it's pronounced schedule. It's, it's obvious. Read English. Anyway, um, we're taking a two-week break. We're going to give you a, a few weeks to read the book of Romans again and again. It's a pivotal book. It's, it's so important. Uh, Martin Luther said that if all we had was the book of Romans, we could still find Jesus and be saved. It's that important. So take some time with it. The next two Sundays, we're going to be looking at making moral decisions. How do you make Christian decisions? And we're going to give you actually a piece of paper that helps you guide your way through these dark times. So looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be especially important if you're working with people or children uh, I think that you'll enjoy it, and if you don't, don't tell me. Um, Peter and the apostles had been left behind, and it was very frightening to them for a couple of reasons. One, Jesus, they, they just got him back from the dead over a month ago, and they were so excited. And then he tells them, I'm leaving, and he does. He ascends up into the heavens, and as, he's, as, as they're just staring up there, a couple of the angels are there looking at him going, what you looking up for? Which shows you. They didn't quite get it either, because human beings are going to be going, well, you don't see that often. You know, that's what we're looking for. We're, we're, what happens next? He said, what, what are you waiting for? Go into the city of Jerusalem. There the Holy Spirit will, will meet you, as he promised. That was the other reason they would have been a bit nervous, because all of their lives they would have heard about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up in, in Genesis chapter 1 when the chaos is there at the creation and it is his moving upon the spirit and the spirit moving upon the waters and the chaos there that brings order and then light can come in. And they would have seen the march of the spirit all along and then in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus kept talking about the spirit. I'm going to leave the spirit with you. He will walk alongside you. He will share your burdens. He will teach you everything that I've ever said. He will make sure you know where you're supposed to go. And now they're told, go to Jerusalem. He's going to show up. And he did. We're going to talk about that in a future series. But then as Peter gets up and preaches, the people look around and they say, what does this mean? And this morning, we're going to talk about what does it mean to a community when Christ has come. And the community, when we read the book of Acts, it's, it's very easy to look upon the book of Acts as, oh, this is the story of the early church. It's not story of the early church, full stop. It's story of the early church, a community who had seen Jesus, and it changed everything. This is what it looks like when you've seen Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, many years later he would write, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer. Now, when I was a boy, we were trained in something called apologetics, which is how to defend the faith against all questions. And later, you know that I lost my faith. I regained it. Uh, science drove me that direction. And I've been wrestling with God ever since. But I, I believe and I'm excited about uh, who Jesus is. The point is, sometimes I'm asked to go places and tell my story and talk about we have an answer. And I was, uh, perhaps about seven, eight years ago now, I was asked to go to Oklahoma Christian University to their lectureship. And I was going to be the opening night keynote, and it, the, 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 um, the whole thing was, 
the apostles' doctrine ready to give an answer. And of course, what they were expecting was not what they got, sadly. That um, often happens when people invite me. So I went, and uh, right before I got up, the guy that invited me, the dean, uh, leaned over and he goes, now you need to know there's a group always comes to these lectureships from very conservative churches, and they always come forward and attack the speaker and, and on and on, and it's, it's very difficult and embarrassing. And I, I'm looking at him going, and you've known this how long? I've been uh, on the book here for about a year and a half, and fair enough. Um, uh, so I stood up, and I said, here is the apostles' doctrine. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I said, that's it. Don't come to me with arguments about creationism. Don't come to me with arguments about baptisms. Don't come to me with arguments about worship. Do not dare come to me with arguments about how we're supposed to sit, stand, dress, or walk. The doctrine of the apostles is Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And when Peter says, always be prepared to answer, he means always be prepared to speak of Christ, to look like Christ, to reflect Christ, that's your job. Well, yeah, they came forward. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not afraid. There are those that want to make everything the apostles' doctrine. What you eat, what you drink, whether you're allowed to eat or drink, what you're, what you're to wear, what you're allowed to wear, what music you like or what music God likes. Or the, you know, it, it's amazing the people that think God likes my music. Well, of course he does. You're special. Uh, they, uh, all of uh, we, we, we fight over these things and they devolve the gospel into a series of moralistic pronouncements. And the Bible says, don't do that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Now you look at the, the context of this and it says this is what people substitute for spirituality. They, they, they're not spiritual, but they'll go around and say, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And then Paul goes on to say, now that all looks spiritual, but it has no power and it is not spiritual. Do you remember they criticized Jesus because he went to parties. He ate and drank with the bad guys. Now Jesus, you know, before you get too excited, Jesus didn't misbehave himself. But Jesus did not live the puritanical lifestyle. And we're not called to do so either. Each new church that comes along thinks it's found the exact list of do's and don'ts that Jesus likes. We have found the treasure. Uh, a cousin of mine, Frank S. Mead, wrote years ago, he's passed on now, but a committee now reissues it every few years, the Handbook of Denominations in America. And every time there's a new edition, I buy it. Not that there's been that many changes, but that that's a signal that's every like I said, every few years, signaled that I need to sit down and once again remind myself that every church got started thinking they're the ones who finally found it. Where are the ones? Now Jesus is lucky. He's got us now. Don't worry, Jesus. We got it from here. But look at Acts. Because I want to show you a before and after picture. Let's see if we can find the apostles' doctrine. You can find its effects. We're going to go to the effects first. That's what you, we want to backward engineer this. Go to the effects. They started as divided people. There were mobs in the streets still. 
There were 12 different groups of Jews that couldn't even speak each other's language. They were gathered together, separate, not blending. These, and again, Romans and mobs and everything else. And then look at what happened after the sermon. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, hey Mark, Howard, all the believers, you got it, were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now you take 12 different bodies in a city that is incredibly divided religiously and politically, and at the end of the chapter, they're sharing all of their goods, they're going to each other's homes, they are at peace with each other. Something happened in the middle. Something important happened in the middle. As the 70s, some of us prayed at the sheriff's department this morning, walked over to Sheriff Long at the end, and uh, I like it that we have such a relationship with our law enforcement officers that several of them reached out to hug, and, and Sheriff Long always reaches over to hug me and says, Patrick, and he knows, and of course, yes, there's some politician there, but I, I see it as sincere. I really do. And as he, you know, I, I hugged him before I went away, and I said, Sheriff, I want you to please impress upon your mind and upon the mind of these deputies that we are not here just to pray so that we can feel better when we go home. We're not even here just to pray so that you'll feel better than we'll go home. We are telling you our building is at your disposal our goods are at your disposal, our homes are a safe place for you, and our hearts are a safe place for you and your men and women. If they need help, we want them to think of us first. Now, I didn't, I wasn't born that way. Like every kid, did you have to teach your kids how to be selfish? <laughs> did you ever have to say, kid, kid, you're sharing again. We've talked about this. No. I grew up selfish too. I had to be taught. I had to be taught all my life how to give. My, my wife's father has taught me generosity. An elder in Ohio when we first moved back to America named Don Duschel taught me generosity. I in my life have followed people and said, how did you do that? How did you give that away? You worked so hard. For, how, did that, how did you get that mindset? And it all comes back to Jesus. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy. Take a look in the dramatic middle of this chapter, verses 17 through 21. In these last days, God says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and, your sons and daughters hmm, will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just a little side note here. I know that the Mormon church has been pushing this blood moon thing for a while, and some of you have followed on and, and been frightened by some people. Understand the Jewish way of speaking. When they're speaking of a blood moon, they're talking about politics. 
They're talking not about a natural phenomena which happens in the sky. When they talk about stars falling and the sun turning to blood and such, they're talking about the fall of systems and the fall of political leaders and the rise of Jesus Christ. They're not talking about the end of the world. Don't worry about the end of the world. Be more concerned about the end of you. Because you're most likely not going to see the end of the world. Don't panic. Do not let the world frighten you. That's what the world wants to do. You're not good enough. You don't smell good enough. Your hair's bad. Your, your clothes are out of date. Your car's not acceptable. You need to buy what the world does. And if you vote for this person, they'll make your life better. But if not, your life will be horrible. See what I mean? Don't let them do that. We have Jesus. And so at the end of the day, what we can do is give our stuff away because we're not afraid that we're going to run out of stuff. We're not afraid we're going to run out of life. We're going to be all right. Had lunch with my three-year-old grandson yesterday and my daughter and our, our newborn grandson. And the three-year-old um, is, is just a card. He, he is a jokester, uh, always with humor. He, uh, gets it cammy side of the family. Uh, and and, and he's, he's having fun, you know, running around and such, and, and he said, Granddad, this is what old people do, and he hunches over and... Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> I looked over at Cammy. I said, he's talking about you. I, I'm, not, I'm not upset that I'm getting older because I'm not going to run out of life. I'm not going to run out of stuff. We have Jesus, and we have the community. What was the prophecy? The Spirit will come, and it did. What was the prophecy? Young and old, men and women will play part, and they did, and they do. I will do wonders, and he has and will. I will upset the way the world does things. That's what that blood moon and stuff is all about. Your universe is going to be upended, and it's this story that will do it. It's the story of Jesus that will do it. Don't you know, a lot of people were very upset that every time they turned on the news, all they'd see is a pope. And a lot of Christians were among them too. Why is he getting all, you know, it's after Labor Day, he's still wearing white. Come on, he can't be. How infallible can he be? You know, that sort of thing. I don't think Pope, the, uh, pope Francis is Jesus. But if he's trying to follow Jesus, go. Talk. I, will I agree with everything he says? Please, I don't agree with everything I say. <laughs> what we're trying to do is find out what Jesus said and do that. Don't you know a lot of politicians would, would just kill, literally, to get those kind of crowds? We need to be a people that understands the story is more important and more powerful than any government, than any nation, and even ourselves. As we were singing the songs, and, and Mark, you, you blow me away. You do such an incredible job picking the right songs, the flow of the songs and such. You know we love you, we, you know we appreciate you, but we also respect you. That's quite a skill, and thank you for doing that. And I had not heard the song We Believe before because I don't listen to Christian radio because I was raised poorly. <laughs> but as I was reading, uh, singing that along, I was going, you know, this is a song 
that kind of prepares you to either live or die that day. You're putting on grave clothes to the world when you sing that song. Um, so I want you to sing that for my funeral. Next Thursday, good for you. Uh, <laughs> Cammie says the crematorium's having a sale. She doesn't like missing sales. So anyway. Um, no, she didn't say that. She doesn't care if it's not on sale. Um, but... Th um, those, those songs where we say, I believe, are really, we're putting on grave clothes to the world, saying, I'm dead to you. But our grave clothes to the world are our anointed clothes in the story of Jesus Christ. You can't kill a dead person. We're already dead to the world. We're alive to a new story. Jesus is the Son of God. That's the apostles' doctrine. He accredited himself with many teachings and miracles, Peter says. God, and read that, read that, that sermon. Some of you are thinking, we read the whole book. All we had to do is read two. No, it's important. Read the whole book. God gave him to us, but we handed him over to wicked men. We blew it. But God raised him from the dead, and death's back has been broken. I will confess to you, one of the songs we sing, and, and there's nothing wrong with singing the song the way it's written. But on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. I always change it. Because I don't believe that God is up there just going, I'm going to kill everybody. And Jesus is going, Dad, Dad. I don't see it that way. So when I sing it, I, I sing, on the cross as Jesus died, the love of God was realized. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about God's wrath. It's about God's love. Even though he had the right, he didn't hate Jesus is now at the right hand of God. That's what we believe. That's our doctrine. It is he who sent the Spirit among the apostles. He is Lord. He is the Messiah. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And I don't care how offensive that is to some in the media. Nobody comes to Jesus. Nobody comes to God except through him. You can be upset at that or, or not. But it's like being upset at gravity. Good luck with that. It's going to be there anyway. You don't break the laws of the universe. The laws of the universe break you. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we're going to do this rather quickly because we could spend literally months if we don't. And now you're panicked. What I'm going to do is, um, Laurie Lee does such a fantastic job of putting things up. I'm going to talk to Laurie so that we can get a link up on there that you can get all of these scriptures if you would like them later. Fair enough? Or you can get, even get the PowerPoint if you've got the, the bandwidth to get that. The center of the apostles' doctrine. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit, born of a virgin. He is the gift of God to us, the one and only Son of God. Now take a look at this. I could have, I could have more, more than troubled the scriptures there easily. But the point is, this is central. This is our doctrine. When you grab one or two verses out about women or one or two verses out about fasting or one or two verses out about anything else, that's, it's fine to know what the Bible says, but you must remember what God said. When people were so excited to see Moses and the prophets and God stopped everything and he said, that's my son, listen to him. You focus on him. And yes, I preached that and got written up for it. 
and I'll preach it again because the publication I was written up in doesn't have a subscriber base as big as the thousands who listen to these sermons every week. Jesus is going to move forward anyway, people. You can't hold him back. You might as well be on board. You might as well be part of the story. Next, he is the fullness of God in bodily form, the express image of the almighty God. So don't paint God as angry and Jesus as sweet. God, Jesus, that, Jesus is what God looks like. And that's the best news I can think of. That's exciting. Next one. He is the word of God. This is so very important. And we have screwed this up so badly. Because you ask Christians, what is the word of God? And nine out of ten or more will say the Bible. And that's only partially true. The Bible itself says Jesus is the word of God. Once you realize this, then you're able to read the Bible and see Jesus. If not, you'll read the Bible and get lost in all the laws, not understanding that there is a story that trumps the laws. Love has always trumped law. He is, in fact, love come among us. And again, how many scriptures could we put up for that? I forgot the world we're in. I was talking about putting up a link, and I'm seeing phones popping up and taking pictures. And I know they're not taking pictures of me. <laughs> he died so that we might live. Again, he proved to us by resurrection that there's nothing to be afraid of. So don't be afraid. Christians, please, don't fall for it. Don't fall for this. Oh, these are horrible times. Great. Because my feeble light will look that much brighter. I talked to a law enforcement officer a few weeks ago, and he said, every time I look at the newspapers, it, I just shake my head. I said, I don't. He said, what do you mean? I said, I look at the newspapers, I say, job security. They still need ministers. Whenever they don't even put out a paper, just a little note in the mailbox said, everything seems fine. I'm in trouble. He got it. We, we are to be more at work, not less at work, when things get dark. He died so that we may live. We are now rescued. Now, I want you to take a look at the tense of this. You're already rescued. How many of us grew up in churches that told us, you'd better live right, think right, do right, and be right, and perhaps you will be saved? Stop it. Just stop it. You're already saved. So live like it. Shine like it. Be brave. You're already there. How about this? You already have the power to be holy. C.S. Lewis put it in. It's hard to explain this to anybody of under my age, I guess, but he said it's like somebody has given you a wonderful fountain pen, but you have to fill it with ink. God gave you the ink. The Holy Spirit, you have the power. Fill yourself. Go. It's already there. You can already do this. He is our high priest, and he is taking us to the most holy place. I am saved not because of my righteousness, but because of his. And that is the apostles' doctrine. 
Only his name is great above all names. Frankly, Jesus was doing just fine before I was born. He will do just fine when I'm dead. He was doing just fine before any of those churches and handbook of the denominations in the U.S. and in America were started, and he will be fine when they're gone because his people will still be here. His story will still be here. His name is great. He is, in Revelation 1, all that matters. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. He is the living one, the beginning and the end. What else do you need for a doctrine? We're not going to be saved by Jesus and. We're going to be saved by Jesus. We are assured of salvation because of Jesus Christ. Are assured, past tense. We are given protection. Again, the fear in Christians just makes me shake my head in amazement when people will go, oh, it's the end of the world, or things are tough, or what happens to America, or the like. I love America too. love Scotland too. I love them all. But people, God was doing fine before we showed up. And he'll be doing fine later. We don't last, but Jesus does. And because of Jesus, we as individuals will last. We are promised forgiveness. You know something? If God did not promise me eternal life and did not promise me the Holy Spirit and did not promise, but just promised me forgiveness, I'd still show up at his house because I need forgiveness. What about you? And I need it every day. We're promised guidance. I need guidance. Everything changes, but we need to know where to go. We sing as we did. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe those are inspired words. But I will tell you something. Jesus said, no one will ever pluck them out of my hand, but he will never grasp you so hard that he won't let, if you want to just walk out, you can walk away. But why would you do this? Who's, who else's hands do you want to be in? But the hands of Jesus, the Christ, the center of all of our doctrine. This, these are my busy months, as you know. I'll only be away one more Sunday during this particular time, and then it'll be months and months and months I'll be here, and you'll long for these days to return. <laughs> After class today, I'll drive to, uh, all the way to the Wisconsin border. The next day, I'll finish the drive, speak to ministers for three days, turn around and drive back. I know people say, why don't you fly? It, have you ever tried to get a flight to, to uh, Black River Falls, Wisconsin? <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even have a tube that they go... <laughs> And to get you there. So I'll, I'll go and I'll do that. When I get back, I'll be back less than a day before we head over to Fall River Falls. Black River Falls, Fall River Falls. People get creative. Um, and, and, and work with a, a church out of Cookful that is having a couples retreat. Cammie and I will do that. We'll get back in time Saturday night for us to rest a bit and be back here for Sunday. Now why would I do that? I, let me ask you another question. Why would an introvert do this? I had a guy recently telling me, you keep saying you're an introvert, but I'm having a hard time believing it because you work the room. I do that because of Jesus. I get in the truck because of Jesus. I'm up here this morning because of Jesus. This is not natural. This is not what I had planned. But because Jesus came, everything changes. Some of you served, and you know what I'm talking about. You're in the back of a C5 or C130. 
the back bay door is as big as this. Actually, it's a bit bigger. Young Marines, young army, they have lined up. By the way, this is Gold Star Mother's Day, and we need to remember them. We need to remember them. As they've lined up, everybody grabs a person in front of them and shakes to make sure nothing rattles, because you don't want it to rattle. Gives you away. Everybody said their silent prayers or taken their deep breaths. They've made the clip on the line, and the whole back door goes down. And from two miles up, the light goes green, and they run out into space. It is not overstating the matter to state that every single day of my life, I feel like the back bay door has just opened, and the light's gone green. When you leave the plane, you're no longer much in control. It's something called physics. When I leave, when I wake up in the morning, it's Jesus. And sometimes I don't do it right. Please understand, I'm not saying, look at me. No, 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 no. Remember even what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Jesus. And I'm sure the Pope Francis would say the same. Just understand what I mean. I'm not in control of my life because a story broke into the universe and you're not in control of yours either. And that's a good thing. Instead of us living in our individual silos of sin and pain and guilt, we have life. We have freedom. And what does it look like? It looks like Acts 2, 42 through 47. A community that no longer follows the rules of this world. A loving, giving, gracious, welcoming committee. It, it, it looks so different that people are going to look at it and say, why in the world would you act like that? And Peter says, you'd be ready to give the answer. First Peter chapter 1, one more time. Would you stand as I read this? Mark. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's the charge. Live the story. We may not all worship alike, we may have different ideas about how to explain the Trinity or how to take the Lord's Supper in a variety of ways, but those things are not the Apostles' doctrine. The Apostles' doctrine is Jesus Christ, alive at the right hand of God and alive in us, in our community, the community of Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Let's sing.